This program is sponsored by Proponacy, where I'm the president and CEO. Proponacy is the Greek word for coaching. We provide SaaS technology to centers like yours. Most contact centers struggle with their people, whether it be overcoming monotony, attrition, or getting superior performance. Our solution makes it easier and cost-effective to get even more than you could possibly have expected from your front line. The result is loyal customers, engaged employees, and winning, provable, profitable results. You can reach us at Proponacy.com. You are being forwarded to the Contact Center Coach. Many years ago, and, and I mean many years ago, I worked with a guy named Andrew Waite. He said something, he was, the, he was the first person that I heard it from, that I think is one of the simplest yet most brilliant statements about contact centers that I've ever heard. He said, a customer arrives with a history and leaves with an experience. This simple statement was brilliant. And, and it's brilliant still today because it really shows us what's happened over the last 30 years in contact centers. And it also shows the future as well. A long, long time ago, when a customer contacted a company, they were calling for everything. Perhaps they had a good experience or a bad one, or they already purchased an item or were looking to purchase an item, or they were simply looking for a status or an update on something they already owned. There was no self-service, no access to files, no interface with the company. Basically, they had no information and no means to fix it themselves. When they called, they were almost clueless. They had their history, but that was it. For a contact center, the world could not have been simpler. The company had all the information. They had the only alternatives or solutions, and most important, they had a complete understanding of where the transaction was starting. This is really important. Don't miss it. The transaction, for the most part, had a universal starting point, the phone call. It had a clear starting point, and the company had all the information to take the customer where they wanted. Then the world changed just a little. IVRs came into play. Now the customer could do some of their own basic self-service. It was limited, but it helped offload all the simple tasks, such as balance, checks, payments, etc. The content center rep lost, happily, a lot of the easier calls. This made things a little more difficult, though, since it left more complicated calls, and we can see that even today. The good news was that the reps were not leaving out of boredom anymore, or at least boredom associated with giving out bank balances all day long, yet the calls became increasingly more difficult. Then we know the world changed a lot. The internet arrived. All of a sudden, and this is still the way it is today, customers were arriving at all different points in their personal transaction. Some were still brand new to the company. Some had been researching for hours and hours and hours. Their experience with the company may have been going on for weeks, yet the contact center rep is now engaged for seconds or minutes. And this is kind of where we insert CRM. I mean, this is the goal of CRM to be able to help us understand where the client is, where they've been, where we need to take them. But in many instances, we have no idea where the customer has been, what they've seen, or how well the company has treated them. Customers now have all sorts of access to lots of other customers' experiences. Now they know everything. This is a big change. 
In many instances today, the customer is often smarter and much more prepared than the employee answering the phone. They may actually even know more about the product and service. Let me repeat this one more time to make sure we get it clear. In many instances today, the customer is often smarter and much more prepared than the employee answering the phone. This reality is changing contact centers and the transactions. Most important, if we don't recognize it and prepare for it, it will change your NPS, CSAT, and effort scores. Because the customer may now know more and have a different level of expectations, we need to prepare and plan for this differently. Here are some things to consider. The customer is much less patient than they have ever been in the history of contact centers. See, customers may have been at this problem for a really long time. They've already touched your company at many, many different points. And if your CRSM system is great, then you know all of this, right? You, you, you know exactly what's happened to them. You get to see it directly before the call. You, you know what the next steps are. But if not, then you need to be ready to deal immediately with an impatient customer. This means they will have less tolerance and patience in, in bringing you up to speed, right? I mean, they've been at this for a long time. They're already aggravated. They've already stressed. Maybe they're, maybe they're not aggravated or stressed. They've just put an enormous amount of time into it, and, and they feel like this problem should have already been solved. This means that listening skills are huge. Acknowledgement and verification are also really, really important. If customers have to repeat themselves, they usually don't stay happy for very long. And remember, they're repeating themselves because they think you should already know all this, right? Because they've already been through this. So I've done this. I've been at this for a really long time. Why don't you don't understand this? I'm sure you've had a, a fight with a family member or a conflict where they've been at something and grinding on something and thinking about it for a really long time. And they're presenting it to you for the first time and you don't get up to speed quick enough and aren't showing enough empathy and don't seem to really care and can't really feel their pain. And that's because they've been at it a lot longer than you have. Well, this is a lot of the circumstances that we've got with customers right now. So they're much, much less patient. The second thing is, is that many customers now already believe they have the solution. They already believe they've got the answer. Perhaps they figured it out themselves or through social media has given them some sort of the most likely outcome, or maybe even the policies that you've got online have already explained the issue to them. That means that your frontline employees really need to be up to date on company policy and most recent changes. It's also really important, again, that they're listening to the customer when the customer explains what they may want or what they may be seeking. You know, in, in some companies, maybe your company's like this as well. Maybe you allow other customers to help customers with the problems. So with social media today, it can really speed things up. But the other risk is, is that if the customer's got the wrong information, that could be a recipe for a really, really long call. And who knows, maybe the solution that the customer has selected, maybe it's a more inexpensive solution, and you're going to find out pretty quickly that that solution isn't going to work for them. And so we're going to have to, we're going to have to take them down off a solution that they've already committed to and explain to them, A, that they're wrong in, a, in some sort of terms that do not declare that they're wrong, but get them to address and move in the direction that they need to. The third thing is, is, is that a customer, because they've been doing all this research, right, they might be smarter than your rep when things start. And customers like being smarter right up to the time when they realize that you can't help them. 
um, being great, being smarter is great until you find out that the person that's supposed to be helping you really can help you because either A, you're going to have to bring them up to speed or B, once you bring them up to speed, they still don't know how to solve the problem. So what this has done is this has created a much higher increase in escalations and that's growing all across the industry. And this is one of the reasons. Customers figure out pretty quickly that the front line knows less than they do and they want answers. And as you know, escalations can kill your contact center because they tie up valuable resources for tasks that should be able to be performed by the front line. This means your reps need to be prepared. They need to have the skills and tools necessary and the information they need to be successful. Of course, again, pressure on listening, professional etiquette, job knowledge, all that helps to create an environment where they have, your frontline rep has a better chance of solving the problem with a customer that may already think they're smarter than your frontline rep. So with these three challenges, right, you know, customers being much less patient today than they've ever been, customers perceiving that they already have the solution or may actually have the solution, and then number three, recognizing that they may think they're smarter or they may actually be smarter and, and wanting to escalate what can we do as a leader or a coach? Well, there's, there's some things that we can do to model the behavior to help our frontline understand and be able to deliver the kind of responses and reactions that are necessary for them to be successful. And they may know it in book, but your ability to be able to model it for them can really help. So let's, let's walk through them one at a time and see what we can do. So let's start with how do we coach and model to a frontline rep who's dealing with an impatient customer? Well, it's pretty simple. We need to model being a patient leader. You know, patience is one of those things that the, the, the fine line between patience and impatience is like one of those world mysteries that nobody really knows, right? So, so when does somebody go from being patient to impatient? Well, in a, in a, in a, in a phone conversation, right, there's the customer explaining the problem, right? So customer explain the problem. And at the point that they don't think you're getting and understanding their problem, then they kind of go from being patient to impatient, right? They expect you to have some sort of an understanding. And again, we don't know what their history is or what they've been going through, but there's, there's that section. And then the, then the middle section is, okay, now they recognize that you understand their problem. Now they need to understand that you're there to help them with the problem. So there's this concept in between there where you're beginning to communicate the message. And, and so we're trying to get them to recognize and understand that you're really there to help. And then the third component is what the actual solution is. So, so this impatience can happen anyway through the process, right? So, so how do I, how do I model being a patient leader, right? So the first way that I model being a patient leader is that when I'm sitting down and communicating with my frontline rep, which usually ends up being over the course of our, our weekly one-on-one, -on -one, maybe it occurs when we're you know, walking by them and stopping to talk to them at their desk, maybe it occurs when we're passing them in the hallway, whatever that combination is, it has to start with us modeling listening, not talking, right? We need to listen 
first. The amount of time that we have with our frontline employees is usually not very much. It's really important to allow them to listen first. It's why we um, are big believers in YMCA, right, which is your thoughts, my thoughts. We calibrate and take action when we have a one-on-one. In, in the same environment, we need to listen first. We need to allow the frontline rep to communicate their problem. And when we're doing that, we can't show impatience, right, which means you need to put your phone down. Put it down, put it down now. You can't be looking at your phone while you're talking to your employees. It invariably happens all the time. It's probably the rudest thing on earth. If you're doing it in the office, you're doing it at home. Trust me, if you're doing it at home, you need to stop. Put your phone down. When you're listening to somebody and you're listening face-to-face, you're listening with your eyes. You're listening with the movements of your head. You're acknowledging. Your head's going up and down. You're recognizing. You're using verbal clues. Uh Uh-huh. I get that. I understand that. The second thing we do when we listen really great is we obviously acknowledge what they've said. Because if you're sitting there and you're staring at them, and hopefully it's not some dumb-faced, long, you know, creepy stare, right? You're just establishing eye contact. You're listening to them. After your employees talk to you, it doesn't validate that you've listened to them. You have to acknowledge. You have to acknowledge and you have to recognize what they said. And then you have to turn around and move that somewhere into whatever the next pace of of the conversation is. The next way that we, we model patience with our employees is, is not only do we listen carefully, but we have some empathy with them on what they're going through, whatever the challenges they are, whether they're, it's an area that they need to overcome, whether it be listening skills themselves or whether their job knowledge needs to be worked on or their adherence or whatever it is. One of the things we need to do is to have some empathy of the circumstances that they're in. Right? Some people take a little bit longer than others, and it's one of the ways that you can show patience and not be impatient. It doesn't mean that I'm telling you you shouldn't focus on the areas that they need to focus on, and you don't have uh, goals and targets that everybody needs to hit. And I'm not saying let somebody slack off, but just recognize and show some empathy in the circumstances that they're in. If you do those two things, then you will be a patient leader. Second of all, what do we do with a, with a, how do we coach somebody who's got a, who customers already got a solution, right? They, they're, they're already pre-prepared with the solution. Well, it, not only do we need to be a patient leader, but we also need to be a probing leader. And, and a probing leader is somebody that's, that's, that's asking for feedback, that, that's, that's looking for somebody that may already have the answer. You know, one of the ways that, that you can model this is something that, that, that I call kind of, kind of, verbal judo, right? So if you've ever ever taken a judo course, what you find out is, is that the way that, that most leverage occurs in a judo is trying to take advantage of the momentum of the person that you're actually competing with. So, so like when, when they throw their right hand at you, the momentum of their right hand coming towards you, you use that momentum that they've already given you to throw them over your shoulder or whatever it is you might be doing. But we're, we're using the momentum of the conversation use the momentum of their bodies. Well, we want to use the same momentum of the conversation when we're talking to somebody. It's a great skill to be able to use because because what we're doing is is when when a when an employee or when a customer makes some sort of a comment, in this particular case we're talking about them that already has a solution, then what we're doing is we're we're acknowledging it and whether it's good or a bad solution, we're using that to move us in the direction that we might want to be going. Right? So we're we're we're, we're, we're acknowledging what they've said. We're using their solution to either A, build upon it, or move them in the direction that we want to. And you can do that when you're getting feedback from your frontline reps, when you're in your one-on-ones, when you're talking to them, and they've got a solution or an, or an idea or something. 
what we can do is, is we can use their solution to drive them where we need to drive them. Because one, by acknowledging it, we're, we're validating the fact that what they, what they say counts. The other thing we can do is we can obviously ask for feedback, right? Their opinion matters. It's another way to be a probing leader to get their feedback. When you get their feedback, write it down, right? I mean, it never hurts to evaluate yourself the same way that your reps are being evaluated by their customers because it helps you to understand what you're doing and how you can get better. So be a probing leader. And the third thing that we can do, right, when, when, when we're dealing with a client that may already think that they're smarter than we are and we've got to make that transition for them, is we need to be a learning leader. So we're a, we're a, um, we're a patient leader, we're a prober leader, probing leader, and we're a learning leader, right? So we learn. We don't have to be, you don't have to be the expert until they're done sharing their expertise with you. Remember, even though um, you know the company better than they do, it doesn't mean you need to toss it out immediately, right? We can allow them to communicate, which makes them get better. It helps them to take, to take the real answer and merge it with their opinion or where they are in that particular area, right? So, so it's okay to allow your reps to be smarter than you are, even if it takes them a little longer to get to the answer that you already know by allowing them to do that right? It, it allows them to be smarter and to exercise their, their smarts, and then they can add to it. Don't dominate the conversation, right? Use your eyes and your ears to listen, right? It's one of those things that, that if you're the kind of person that dominates the conversation as a supervisor, you say, well, I'm not sure that's me. Well, there's an old adage, right? That if one person tells you a jerk, you know, maybe you're not, but if two or three people tell you you're a jerk, you're probably a jerk. So be aware of the fact when people tell you that you, you may be uh, maybe dominating a conversation, right? Or, or be the kind of person that can accept new ideas and new concepts. And then never lose sight of the fact that, that people need to be trained, right? You need to look for new learning opportunities, trends, changes, ways that you can change to better serve your employees and never stop learning and growing yourself. And when, I, when, I, when you do that, you'll be more of a learning leader, learning yourself, as well as allowing your frontline to learn through making mistakes, coming up with their own ideas, coming up with better ideas, taking input in, and being able to work with it. So if we can be a patient leader, a probing leader, and a learning leader, we can help model and train our employees in the ways that they need to be done. So there's three new leaderships that you can add to your array of skills and talents. It was great to speak with you, and I look forward to speaking with you next week. Have a great week. Bye-bye now.